it's time now for our live straight talk segment and this is your opportunity to share your questions and comments on topics relating to the faith or on things that are happening in the world around us with our local host and with me and chris and when you hear that sound, please give us a call at 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122. You can also submit questions on our Real Presence Radio Facebook page, or you can send an email question as well on uh, yourcatholicradiostation.org. And so, again, our number is 877 877- Seven nine five zero one two two. We're happy to take listener questions, and of course, there are so many great opportunities on Catholic Radio to call in. Whether you have a question about one of the teachings of the faith, um, Chris is a, is an excellent teacher and 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 doing faith formation. Maybe you have a question about uh, share, keeping your young person uh, involved in the faith during these summer months. I know as a as a teacher and a catechist, Chris would be happy to give some direction, and and I have a few thoughts on that as well. Um, and of course, in the world today, it can seem like things are so uh, distracting. There's a, a lot of things that are in the world. What does it mean to live faith and to be persistent in prayer, even in the midst of turmoil today? So, Chris, we had a beautiful example in the gospel this weekend of, uh, I mentioned it with Bishop Swain about uh, th- this theme of being persistent in prayer, mm-hmm. and uh, in the first reading from the book of Genesis, we have uh, this Abraham beseeching the Lord God to have mercy on Sodom and Gomorrah. And so, uh, for most people, uh, even a cursory knowledge of the scriptures in the Old Testament, they're aware of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, if I turned on television, uh, you know, today, and I would look at some of the negative things in the world, I can think, man, that is really bad wickedness, you know, there's bad things happening in in the life of the world today, could easily become despairing or frustrated. Um, But that witness of Abraham, our father, is to say, Lord, are there righteous people among you? Um, Are there people that are here? And certainly, if we look in the life of the church, we see so much goodness Mm -hmm. that guards us against that that despair. I I really appreciate your, your you know, encouragement of us in not comparing, you know, pastors with one another, but also even comparing, you know, what's on television, what's really happening in our own communities, because there are so many areas of of light and life. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's like you're saying, like you see, you turn on the news channel, whatever it be, CNN, Fox, um, or you follow any Catholic news agencies even. Like mm-hmm. certain ones, like they make these ludicrous claims about all these ludicrous things. And it, people get discouraged and they get upset about this or that within the world and within the church. And so like remaining focused on what the truth of our faith teaches and remaining focused on what it's all about. Relationship with Jesus Christ, getting to know and love Jesus Christ and one day getting to heaven and hopefully bringing a whole host of folks with you because you love them no matter what circumstances are going on in the world. And so it's such a beautiful thing and it's such an interesting thing because our human nature, our fallen human nature is like, ah, this evil is in this world. We have to do something about it. And we don't realize that we're not created for that. Yeah. We are created for so much more. And it's like Augustine has, you know, his city of God and his city of earth and recognizing that this earth is just fleeting. Yes, there's beauty. God created all good, but, but we're created for more. Amen to that. 
uh, give us a call at our Straight Talk segment, 877-795-0122. We're right now just kind of talking about how we can be witnesses to hope and stay rooted in hope, even in the midst of when there's uh, darkness or bad news or things that would lead us down to despair. But if you have a question about the Catholic faith, if you have a question about prayer, faith formation, um, how to live the faith, maybe there's something about the scriptures that you heard this past Sunday that you were thought-provoking, give us a call, 877-795-0122. You can also leave us a message on our Real Presence Live Facebook page, and you can submit those through any device. You can also always listen to Real Presence Radio on our Real Presence Radio listening app, and then that's where also past episodes are also uh, you know on there. You can listen to them wherever you're at, even if you're out of our listening area on a smartphone or a tablet or any other device. And you can also access all the EWTN listening programs that we have right here on Real Presence Radio. Can I, can we address, so while we're waiting here, as I was thinking, you know, we interviewed Bishop Swain about praying outside of Planned Parenthood. And speaking of the news, right, things that we see that are maybe despairing, this week our federal administration uh, enacted something that hasn't been used since 2003, and that is the death penalty. Mm. And so... uh, I believe there's 13 people that have now been scheduled to be put to death uh, federally. And so I know a lot of people, and I'm, I'm not to get political or anything, but at the end of the day, it's like we as Catholics cannot support that, right? In this first world country especially. And so can you talk more to that about what, the, the, what we as Catholics need to respond with that because abortion is one thing and it's atrocious, but this death penalty and what our administration has done with that is another thing. Certainly. Well, this is a topic that's received uh, a special attention in the last year or so as uh, uh, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, has released particular teachings on that. And there's some conversation between different theologians about are there circumstances where the, you know, the death penalty would be permissible? Um, Now, that being said, we always maintain and uphold the dignity of human life. We always maintain this opportunity for human beings to have redemption, to have a conversion experience, like you were saying earlier this morning in the life of the church today. Here in our own particular state, where we're broadcasting from here in the state of South Dakota, we do have capital punishment. And so even just this past fall, um, there was someone who uh, was receiving the death penalty. That person was a member of the church. That person received sacramental care. That person received the same Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, the same sacrament of reconciliation as you and I and many of our listeners do who are members of the church. And so we recognize that our brother or our sister in Christ, who has perhaps committed egregious crimes, at the same time, we want to hold out for them their dignity and their worth as a human person. The circumstances of all these different individuals that are on these death rows, each person has a story, each person has circumstances, but objectively, they all have human dignity. And so to be consistent in our Catholic teaching, we always want to uphold the dignity of human life and the fact that God has a plan for everybody for eternal life in heaven. We want to live in accordance with that and how we govern, how we rule, how we live in our families, and how we teach. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Father. It's true. We are very 
very worth it are every single life every single person and so it looks like we have our first listener question coming on in so father i'll 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 uh, let you take this one here. And the listener asks, in Genesis, we read about Jacob and Esau. They had a broken relationship, but at one point, they have a reconciliation and healing when Jacob returns to his homeland. Can you talk about the importance of reconciliation and healing of wounds with our family when the time is right? Well, that's a beautiful question. And oh, absolutely. Excellent. And what I really love about this, this listener's question is how much a reading of the scriptures is not just historical or critical, but it goes to the heart. Certainly, there is an account of this relationship between Jacob and Esau, how it was strained. We can read about later on in the book of Genesis with Joseph and his brothers. Another great example of Genesis where we see about how they once traded him out and later on they were reconciled with one another. The reading of the scriptures moves to the spiritual lens when we see how does this apply to my own relationship with my own siblings. Chris, I come from a family with brothers and sisters. How about you? I got two brothers. And you know what? I can stand right here as a minister of the church and a minister of the Gospels and to say, even today, it's not always easy to love my brother. Amen. With a text message, with a phone call, some days you catch someone on a wrong day and you might think, what's their problem? Yeah. They might catch me on a wrong day after celebrating a couple of masses and they'll be like, why do my priest brother doesn't want to talk to me too so much? <laughs> but that being said, like uh, there is a time where when it's right, we want to offer that love and mercy just as Jesus himself. So who's our model in everything and following the life of the church is Jesus Christ himself. We can look at the, the, the greatest story ever told, the story of the prodigal son, Jesus's own teaching, and how in the Gospel of Luke, we can really recognize that are we? sometimes we're that older brother, sometimes we're the younger prodigal brother, but we can recognize that Jesus's witness to us is always to live in the Father's love. Mm. You know, one thing I can say, and the questioner, the, you know, the, the question was, when is the time right? You know, when I go to the hospital and I visit with a family to administer the last rites. I give someone the sacrament of holy anointing, and I'll give them the prayers for the dying. And usually I'm gathered around with families who I've never even met before. But just like we said, Chris, they're a family just like we have families. And I'm, I'm pretty certain that most time there is sometimes unresolved things that need to be said, mm -hmm. some forgiveness that needs to be offered, uh, some expressions of mercy and love, even just saying, I love you, mom. I love you, dad. I love you. You're, I, I, maybe I wasn't the best brother, but I, I, I'm sorry for that. And I tell everybody when I'm in those hospital rooms or those emergency situations, use this time. Now is the time to be reconciled with the person that you loved. Maybe you had some sort of regret or shame or remorse. But the scriptures are beautiful testimonies to us on how to be reconciled in God's love. And so what a beautiful question about this, this relationship between Jacob and Esau, Joseph and his brothers, the story of the prodigal son, um, how often maybe we become that older brother, especially members in the church who love Christ, who love the sacraments. But sometimes uh, we can easily say, you know, that we have, might have a prodigal in our life that who isn't living the life of the church. How can we love them? How can we be a witness to Christ's mercy? And uh, there's countless ways, but most, most importantly is to stay united to Jesus in prayer, and the Holy Spirit will lead you to know when that time is right. Right. And, you know, and playing off that prodigal son story, too, 
the whole principle and I, I the hate the sin, love the sinner. Yeah. And that's a great principle of it. And so many people in our day and age, and I find today, um, that there's this radicalness of either one side or the other side. Mm. The radicalness of that's a sinful act, have nothing to do with them until they repent. And the other side where it's, well, it's okay, like, you messed up, I'm going to love you, but if you mess up again, like, it's okay. Like, remember, we got to find that fine line, folks, about loving people where they're at. And it's not easy. And so be persistent in prayer. Stay rooted in Jesus Christ because love them no matter what. But don't dismiss any hardships or anything because you want heaven for everybody and we want heaven for everybody. And so allow yourself to be transformed and help them be transformed at the same time with great love. And that's, that is the, the crux of it is that being persistent in prayer. And we have another questioner online. Uh, the question is, at the first reading at Mass this Sunday, we, we heard about Abraham pleading the Lord to spare Sodom and Gomorrah. Sometimes it may be easy to be not as persistent in prayer. And the question is, how can we grow strength in our prayer, being persistent in prayer? And hmm. Chris, my, my response to this is to live as brothers and sisters in Christ and to unite our prayers with one another. So, Chris, I'll give you an example. This last Lent, I did Exodus 90 with hey, a group me of too. men. Hey, brother, way to go. Rock and and I happen to know a lot of our Real Presence radio staff, some of the other men. They also were part of <laughs> Exodus 90. And, uh, you know, and I know around the area, at different parishes, there were pockets of men, you know, sometimes five to seven men who would gather together, and they would unite in prayer. And they would have particular intentions, things in their life that they wanted to grow in virtue and in strength. And Chris, wasn't that when we were doing Exodus 90, even, with, even though we were part of different men's mm -hmm. groups, wasn't there a greater strength to be persistent when I knew I had my brothers who, when we were going to get together the next week, we would gather around the Eucharist, we would maybe right. do have Mass, or we would do adoration together. You know, even after Exodus 90 ended, I still would get together once a month with my Exodus 90 brothers. So even before I moved to my new parish, we spent an hour in Eucharistic adoration, we gathered together and had coffee, and then we talked about our lives. And the challenges, the hardships, the new things, uh -huh. um, the fears, the anxieties, and our friendship with one another helped us stay persistent in prayer. Second thing is this. There was a mom's group that was also in my parish. So it wasn't even a national program like Exodus 90, but they would do a, a scripture study and then they would pray for each other. And I know that that was the heart of their life, that they would gather together, they would share about their children, they would share about the prodigals that they had mm -hmm. in their own lives, but they would also share about their grandchildren, changes of a life, retirements, and just that persistence in prayer started when they lived as brothers and sisters. They lived that koinonia, that community that has always been at the heart of the church. From the very beginning, when members of the church gathered under Solomon's portico in the city of Jerusalem, mm. they would say, 
who are those people gathering over there? Or those are the members of the church. That's Peter and his followers. They're followers of Jesus Christ. And it's that mutual sharing in faith is what, what, what has been the fuel for the entire life of the church these 2,000 years. Right, exactly. And as you look, like you said, you look at the history of the church and you look at all the, it's, it's community. It's that koinonia like you mentioned. And the community, if it's a good community, they challenge you to lead that interior life. And if you're not living the interior life that is necessity for your salvation and for your holiness, a good community is going to call you out. And a good community is going to hold you accountable, and they're going to love you. And so it's so beautiful. And I can relate to that 100% with Exodus 90, to have that awesome, awesome community. Like, that's a big way to build your prayer life, is to be around people that are going to challenge you and love you. And it's such a gift, you know, most especially to... uh just, you know, share that life of faith with one another and uh, to, to see what the Lord is all about. Chris, is there any other questions that we have? Let me see. We've got two more. So here's here's one we got. Uh, seminarian Mitchell McLaughlin is going to ask us on Facebook. Here we go. We have, where does the apostolic pardon originate in the tradition of the church? Well, that's this is fun. That's great. <laughs> I, I know I know seminarian Mitchell, so that's a look it up question. Yeah, I was going to say seminarian. But for all the sake of our listeners, uh, just to talk about the apostolic pardon, and so I spoke br- uh, briefly uh, about going to a hospital and and praying the last rites. Mm. And so one of the last rites, and this is a good thing for all our listeners to know, is that there is a a prayer of the apostolic pardon. Uh, It's a a prayer that through the authority of the apostolic see, so the, the Holy Father, Pope Francis, by the authority of the apostolic see, every priest is given this this faculty that that is a is a pardon from and the remission of the punishment from all sins committed in this life. And so, with that is also the presumption that you've received the sacraments of holy anointing or confession, and that you've received that sacramental forgiveness of your sins. We're Catholics; we believe in sacramental forgiveness. Ultimately. If we look to the scriptures themselves, we can look at Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus Christ instituted the church and he said, uh, you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Whoever sins you forgiven are forgiven them and whoever sins you retain are retained. So Mitchell, it's from Jesus himself in the scriptures. (laughs) However, uh, how that's in the rituals, um, I'm not a liturgical uh, expert, so I would encourage you to look that up, and that's perhaps something we can answer for our listeners on another week's segment of, of Straight Talk later this week about the apostolic pardon and where that originated in the ritual. What right. other questions? Absolutely. Here we go. We've got another one here. So uh, the listener asks, I recently went to a charism gift seminar and had my interview to help discern my gift. How do I know if I'm really re- really receiving the gifts or just forcing my own will versus God's will. Well, that's great. My presumption would be that uh, they went to the Catherine of Siena Institute Charisms uh, Gifts Workshop. That's one of the popular ones, and that comes from the, the Siena Institute is a kind of a outreach of the 
the central Dominican province, and they travel around parishes in the United States, and they do this uh, kind of a, a spiritual gifts inventory. So you would kind of fulfill a questionnaire, you would maybe would listen to a facilitator who's been trained, and then they would kind of encourage you to look at some of those scriptures. In fact, the one we talked about earlier, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are many gifts, you know, discernment of these gifts. And with that, you would want to know, um, you know, am I receiving these gifts? Do I have the charism to hospitality? Do I have the charism for administration? Um, there's other gifts of the Spirit, that, that charisms, uh, workings of the Spirit in terms of works of mercy. You know, do I, do, I, do, do I come alive when I work at St. Vincent de Paul or one of the Bishop Dudley House or St. Francis House or any of the other uh, outreaches that we have in our listening area? Well, one would say, well, how do I know if I'm just saying, like, I'm going about doing these, these works of Christian charity, these works of mercy, and I think, well, I have a gift for this. Well, how do I know if I'm just forcing my own will, or am I just busying myself with Christian works? Mm -hmm. And this is the teaching of the Siena Institute, but it also is... Uh, really comes from even a good spiritual director in the discernment of spirits to understand, you know, one's relationship with Christ and the working of the Holy Spirit is what are the effects of doing these activities. And so we test the spirits, we test charisms. We want to know if I go to the, so let's take a step back. And if, if I'm talking to a young woman who's discerning consecrated life, and if I say, I would say, okay, there's many, many different great religious orders in consecrated life. There are contemplative orders. There are active orders. There are those who work in an apostolate. I said, when you see yourself, there are some who are active contemplative, not to make it too complicated, <laughs> like the Missionaries of Charity of Mother <laughs> Teresa. But, you know, when you think about uh, living consecrated life, I would ask the woman, I would say, do you... you you like St. Therese of Lisieux, are you drawn to Carmelite spirituality, which is contemplative? You would be in a cloister, which means you would be living this deep interior life and relationship with Christ and the community, times of particular expressions of prayer. Is that something you're drawn to? Keep in mind, you're not going to be traveling. Or would you like to live as an apostolic sister who is out doing any number of apostolates? And in today, we have apostolic sisters that do any number of things. If you walk around the city of Rome, you'll see apostolic sisters on the bus, on the train, running around doing all sorts of active works in the life of the church, still taking those evangelical counsels, but doing it in a way that is focused on an apostolate. That particular person would say, in my experience of the charisms and the gifts God has given me, I do feel drawn to living in a cloister dedicated to prayer, that silent life as St. Teresa of Avila, St. Therese of Lisieux, um, you know, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, some of the great contemplative saints. On the other hand, that person would recognize in their own soul, I feel drawn to be in the world, to be that witness as, as a bride of Christ, to be doing those active apostolic works. In that example, that person is going to recognize the consolation that comes from living out of the particular gifts that God has given them. But perhaps uh, in the same sense, if we're living this in our, in our own parish life, 
if you say, well, I'm, I'm more of a, I really come alive. We all have people in our parishes who come alive doing works of hospitality, mm-hmm. whether it's working in funeral luncheons, whether we have members of, of Knights of Columbus who loved the pancake breakfast. They're, they're just ready to grab the syrup bottle whenever it's time. <laughs> you want to do a pancake gref- breakfast, Father? Well, part of it is there's a real joy and an excitement that comes from serving others. Right. You know, this discernment of spirits is not complicated when we recognize that the Holy Spirit works through our lives, and you see the joy in their hearts, that, that that's how they, they enjoy serving. They enjoy that gift of hospitality. So the question is, you can understand how you're, you're exercising these, this charism is, what brings you joy? What brings you peace? If you're full of anxiety, if you're full of frustration and despair, then it's probably not of God. But talk to your parish priest and a good spiritual director or a counselor. You may not need a full-time spiritual director. Just have a good confession or talk to Father outside of confession and ask him some questions. That's all you need, and he'll lead you on the right path. Right. Call-in number is 877-795-0122. We've got a couple more minutes for questions here, if any of you guys have any to call in. So uh, please do. Father, that was pretty good. I like that. That's so so important in our life today, though. And sometimes we can find ourselves, uh, maybe we, you know, the Lord has used us in a, in a particular ministry for a, for a period of time. Um, there are so many great uh, organizations in the church. There are different movements with different charisms. Mm-hmm. So in the same way, I would encourage someone, too. They would say, well, how do I know if I'm called to um, follow one of these uh, these movements that are in the life of the church. I can think of uh, Communio Liberazione, Communion and Liberation, mm-hmm. or uh, I could think of Charismatic Renewal, or I could think of Schoenstatt Movement, which is a Marian movement. We have we have Schoenstatt and, and some, some of our listening area. Beautiful Marian movement. And it's a family movement where mm-hmm. you live Catholic life as a family um, dedicated in, in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary and a particular spirituality. Well, you know, perhaps you are called to live that charism or that or that particular spirituality of that movement but see how it manifests itself in your life in your spiritual life are you experiencing that joy that peace that that relationship with christ or is it say and that's fine if it's not for you that's just fine you know the church is very large Mm -hmm. and there are many different ways to live in the spirit and so just acknowledge when when a particular movement isn't for you maybe maybe i'm not a knights of columbus person i'm i myself chris fourth degree member knights of columbus but second at the same time uh you know we have to recognize that within ourselves. right and like as you quoted earlier from corinthians many parts we are many parts we are all one body we all come together to make something beautiful and to do something beautiful as a church. We all have different gifts, and that's okay. Yeah. Like, not everybody's going to go and be a priest. Not everybody's going to go and be a married man or a married woman, and that's okay. And so, and and I'm going to be honest, for me, I love, I get so great joy. Like, I see a religious sister coming to room. I'm like, hello. Yeah. You're the coolest because I just, you're amazing. Because they're living their vocation and they're so joyful and you can just tell. And so when someone is in their true vocation, the joy just exudes and it's just such a beautiful thing. And so go for it, man. Go for it. And it really is a a gift of uh, for for us to recognize, you know, uh, for those who are just coming to know the church in a deeper way, it can be really confusing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, what's Catholic? Well, there are nuns. There. What's a Monsignor? What's uh, mm-hmm. what's the Knights of Columbus or a Catholic daughter? Or uh, or I did become Catholic, and then I got invited to this little group that meets in the parish, and I don't know what they do, but they say certain prayers. They say the Angelus, and I don't know what that's all about. I can tell yeah. it's from the Bible, or I'm learning about the Rosary, or what's this Divine Mercy thing? Right. You know, there are so many things in the parts of Christ's body, the church, and so so many different ways to experience uh, friendship and that, that deeper conversion with Jesus. I love it all because I, I love all things of God, <laughs> and part of my, my enthusiasm comes from wanting to know what those things are, while at the same time recognize you don't have to throw yourself into everything, but you can learn and understand. And what I love most of all is to see how these experiences of faith, in these different apostolates, organizations, ecclesial movements, church movements, how all of them bring about a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ in the church in the hearts of the faithful. And that's what's most beautiful because as we teach the faith to our young people, our families, that there is so much more in our universal Catholic faith, one and a half billion strong throughout the world and growing more and more every day. And so what a gift it is to be a member of Christ's body of the church. Absolutely. Well, there's, that kind of wraps it up for our Straight Talk segment. Uh, there is uh, so much more that, uh, that we can always talk about our Catholic faith. And if you have questions in the future, you can always send them in beforehand, our Straight Talk segment. And you can always do that by sending an email. You can go to yourcatholicradiostation.com. You can also go to our Facebook page and submit those questions beforehand. Or you can uh, put a mo- note on your Google Calendar on your smartphone or whatever calendar you might have and say, I'm going to call in tomorrow because this is a question I've had for a while. And you can grow in a deeper knowledge of your faith. We thank everyone who's called in or sent in their questions. And you can do this every day. A segment is on at 930 